They do not serve your God or worship the gold image which you have set up. So he got really upset. The king was really infuriated. How dare they not bow down when the music plays? How dare, how dare we not bow down when CNN plays? How dare we not bow down when Washington says the church should be quiet? How dare the world tell us not to believe that God is God? And the music is playing. So then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and fury, gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they brought these men before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, It is true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I set up. And the gold image was himself. Every dictator of the world, when you read history, history is so important to study. It repeats itself. Every dictator does, creates a statue, an image of him or herself, because they think they're God. They think they're God. So, so he did the same. So this is old stuff. And, and he goes, if you are ready, at the time you hear the sound of the horn, the music is going to play again. The music is playing. Flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery, and symphony with all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the image which I made of gold. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is this God? That's the mockery of the devil. Who is your God? Who is the God of your father? Who is the God of your grandmother? Don't you see the world the way it is? He's mocking God. They just don't mock us. They're mocking God. But, and he, who can he deliver from my hand? What arrogance. Can your God really save you? Can your God really pull through? Can your God really be God above other gods? And we're living that today. We're living that today. So Shadrach, and this is where I want to go, answered to the king, not just to anyone, but the superpower of the world at that time, to the most powerful man of the world at that time in politics. And this is what he, they tell them. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter, meaning this is not negotiable. This is not debatable. It says, if, you, if that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fury furnace. He will deliver us from your hand, O king. But this is what I love. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods, nor we will worship the gold image which you have set up. And, you know, he was infuriated. He threw them all in the furry furnace. And I'm going to go a little down because it says that these men, the three men were bound. They were bound. And the hands were bound. They were thrown into the fairy furnace, their garments and everything. And, so, and then it goes, and they fell down in the midst of the burning fury furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar, the superpower of then, said, was astonished. And he rose in haste, and he spoke, saying to his counselors, did we not cast three men in the midst of the fire? And they answered, said, and they answered, yes, king, we did. But look, he answered, 
I saw four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they're not hurt. And the former, the fourth, is like the Son of God. And Nebuchadnezzar, the superpower, the man of mockery, praises God. Let me tell you a little bit about these men, these young men. And if my college class is here, you remember this. They were three young men. Israel had sinned so gravely, the kingdom was divided, the north and the south, and both kingdoms eventually fell, but the north fell first. And so these young men, while they were in Israel, they decided to surrender their life to God. Now, in the natural, surrender has a very negative ne ne um, connotation. It means almost that I lost. I am the, the loser here, and so I am going to surrender to the most intimidating power. I'm going to sur surrender to the power that has the greatest influence. In the natural, surrender is a very, very negative connotation. But biblical surrender to the believer, a believer is completely, completely, gives his or her own will, subjects her will or his will to the Lord. His thoughts, her ideas, his deeds, and the will and the teaching of the higher power, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. Surrender for the believer is so intentional and it's willful. It's not obligated. You can't obligate someone or force someone to serve God. But it comes a time in the believer's life that we accept and we yield to the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's intentional and because we love him. So these young men came into Babylon. They were stripped of their homeland. We have no idea what happened to their family. All we know that Daniel chapter 1 opens up, and we know that they're at least 15 years old, that's young. That's young. For anyone here under 40, that's young. And the king decided, well, I want the best coming out of Israel. And so they were looking for young men, that, look at this, that had no blemish, that means no acne, no scars. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have made it because I had acne when I was young. But good looking, number two, Gifted in all wisdom and understanding. And they were to be strong. So he was looking for the creme of the creme that came out of Israel. And these people were the nobility that came out. So three years of, of best training in the Babylonian schools. That's Daniel chapter 1-5. Three years in the best schools. We have no idea what happened to their parents. We have no idea what happened to their family. We have no idea what happens to their friends. All we know is that these three men decided to surrender their life to Yahweh, Jehovah God, before they even were captives in Babylon. So this was the part of re-identification. Because we're living in the modern-day Babylon, where everything now is to re-identify who we are. People have no idea who they are. There's a confusion of who of who people are. I, I want to say it straight. Man, God made male and female. 
There's no confusion. But we are living in modern-day Babylon. And so the Babylonians love to rename. The Babylonians love to give their the, the new captives new names. It's like the world. They'll give you, if you're free, they try to make you an addict. If, if, if you're free, they try to make you confused. If you're free, they want to make you suicidal. The enemy is still at work. And so these young men ended up in the court of the king. And they were selected. But with the selection came a very high price. Because when we surrender, they were just not single. They surrender a lot. They were eunuchs. They lost their manhood. They wouldn't be able to produce children. They wouldn't be able to have children. They wouldn't be able to get married. And yet, with the mutilation of their bodies, they still decided not to defile themselves with the wine and the food of the king's table. So you see, Babylon is today. Modern-day Babylon is going to try to serve you and put you in platforms that they steam in the world that are great, but yet they're trying to re-identify you and confuse you and mutilate you. But these men... These young men decided they were going to surrender their lives to the Lord. Scripture is silence. What happened? But Scripture tells us they decided to surrender to the Lord. So three things I saw here. Because number one, a life that surrender is a life that loves the Lord. Totally devoted to the Lord. And it says spiritual surrender is an act of faith, keeping hope alive. You see, we just don't surrender to surrender. We surrender because we have a hope in the hope of glory that's called Jesus Christ. He's real. He's a real person. He's a real God. And so for coming, it says salvation, and then initial surrender, which we all, or maybe, some of, maybe today some will come. But initial salvation is surrenders when you come to Christ and you see the great need of Christ in your life. Just like Pastor George, he was setting me up. Just like Pastor George was saying, at a 19 years old at a street corner, it doesn't matter what corner you are, what bar you're in, what pit you find yourself in, no matter what you're doing, Jesus will show up if you're calling on him. Jesus is going to show up. So the object that we surrender to is super important. If you surrender to whatever object, you'll become that object. You're going to imitate that object. So our object of surrender is Jesus Christ. Our object to surrender is the Lord. So point number one, a surrender life loves the Lord above all things. Imagine being young. And you're a captive. No matter if you're in the king's palace, no matter if you're advisors and counselors to the king, they had a high positions, but they were still captives. They were still eunuchs. But they loved the Lord above all things. Their love for God was everything. So when it came, when the music was playing and the statue is erected, they made up in their minds, they determined in their hearts, we're not going to bow down. 
Does it matter our positions that we have? What the position that they have will consider a position of honor. Imagine, honor. Does it matter who they knew? They knew the king directly because the king selected them. So the king knew who they were. They probably also knew his temper. He also knew that he had a, he was, he had a great temper. And he was a mass murderer, like we see today. That didn't matter. And he, they decided, I'm going to love the Lord but no matter what. No matter what people do to my body, no matter what. I may look like a Babylonian, so don't go to those Renaissance pictures. I teach the lot of prophets in Bible Institute. It's actually my favorite course. And you see all these paintings that were done in the Renaissance period. That's not true. That didn't look that way. Daniel looked like a Babylonian, so they hit friends. On the outside, they looked like a Babylonian. But on the inside, they, they served Jehovah Yahweh. And that didn't change. That didn't change at all. Imagine the pain, the fear. Imagine the confusion. Imagine the loneliness they felt. Yet, they love God above all things. And what are we to do? We're to love him with all our hearts, all our mind, all our strength. And that's what they did. So the first thing a surrender life does, it loves the Lord above all things. Above all things. What do you love that's ahead of God? That you need to surrender. See, because when we love God above all things, we're loyal and faithful to the Lord, no matter what. No matter what. No matter what. These people were going to face death. This is not an allegory. This is a real story. This is not an allegory. This really happened. So they were going to face death. And they decided, my love for the Lord is greater than serving the king. Than serving the king. So Nebuchadnezzar got angry. In fact, there's always a snitch in the, in the bunch. Maybe they were jealous. No, really. They were jealous of these three guys. There's people jealous of you. And they snitch on you because they're jealous of you. God had gave these three people, given these three young men, great favor. With, with, above all, with the king. With the king. And they went and they told Nebuchadnezzar. You, you think they wanted to tell Nebuchadnezzar, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, because we love you? No, they probably just were so jealous of these three young men that they wanted to get rid of them. And that's what the world does. So they went and they told them, like snitches. He got enraged because he knew, they knew the reaction of the king. I mean, I know the reaction of my husband. I know if I say this, he'll get angry. If I say this, he'll be sweet. If I do this, not that you're manipulating, you know, but, but if, if I want something, you know, a little sugar does it, you know. And come on, those wives that are here, and, you know. And so it could be. That they wanted their position. It could be they coveted their favor. It could be now we got them because they knew they weren't going to bow down. So Nebuchadnezzar, they brought to the king. What would you do if they bring you to your supervisor? What would you do if they bring you to your counselor? What would you do if they bring you to the people that holds your paycheck? I want to tell you something. No one holds your paycheck. Jesus does. 
That position that they had, Nebuchadnezzar just didn't give it to them. The Lord did. And they loved God above all things. No matter what. No matter what. No matter what was done to them. No matter what they, they experienced. No matter what, even the confusion of the Lord, why? They decided, I'm going to surrender to God and let him have control. So that was the first thing. A surrender, a surrender life loves the Lord. Number two. A surrender lives trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. It displays full confidence in the Lord. They, they, they have come from Israel all the way to Babylon. We don't know the, the, uh, the timeline here. We don't know how many years. But they were able to look back and say, I can trust the Lord. No matter what happens, I can trust the Lord. You see, in the West, we want this easy Religion. We want easy Christianity. We want comfortable Christianity. But when I read the word of God, that's not what the word of God tells me. Our faith is going to come and be confronted against the powers of darkness. But we're to trust the Lord. It, they did not compromise. Hey, it takes courage. When you trust God, God gives you courage. He gives you boldness. He makes you bold like a lion. It doesn't matter what title they hold. You become courageous. They didn't compromise their belief. They didn't go, oh, king, we made a mistake. Oh, king, we made a mistake. One, once, my grandmother tested me. I love my grandmother, my maternal grandmother. She was everything to me. I lost my mother very young. And my maternal grandmother was everything. She was like the rock of the family. I have two grandmothers, but when they come to my maternal grandmother, that's a whole different story. Losing her was a lot to me, and she came to our wedding because I was a favorite child. I was a favorite granddaughter. But my grandmother told me this. When she, I, re, I was reminded of my grandmother. She said, you know, in Spanish she said this. There's Christians that they bow down to the, they say, oh, Lord, forgive me. I'm going to bow down to the to." to this evil thing, but you know, I'm not, I'm not praising it, Lord. I just don't want to die. My grandma said, no. If you die, you die. If he saves you, he saves you. But don't compromise your belief. And I know that I've become a lot like my grandmother. I know that I'm like my grandmother because her convictions were so deep. They were non-negotiable. We're not going to debate my, my belief. I know what I believe in. I know who God is. I trust the Lord. He has saved me from many things. He's allowed other things that I had to go through that I didn't want to go through. And oh, whether he saved me or whether he didn't save me, I can trust God because he's faithful. They honor him no matter what. No matter what. So for if we live, we live to the Lord and if we die, we die to the Lord. So therefore, whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. A surrender life can say that, and people can see it. And so when they went up to the king, I mean, they didn't go up to the king. They were dragged to the king. I can see them now. They dragged those three young men to the king. And they said, whether we live or we die, that's what they were saying. This is New Testament, but that's what they said. Their action, their word says, we're not going to bow down to you. We're not, and if he chooses not to, 
And he chooses not to. You know why they said that? Because they've been, they went through stuff where God allowed things to happen. They went through the journey from Israel to Babylon as a captive. They went and they, they, they were stripped of their citizenship. They were stripped of their rights. They were stripped of their dignity. And yet they can say, if he doesn't, he doesn't. How many of us can say that? A surrender life does. A surrender life. So they get thrown in the, in the fire. This is not an allegory. I'm going to repeat that. This is real. Because we're living in the modern day Babylon. They're throwing a lot of young people into the fire. Now they're getting thrown into the fire because they obey God. They obey God, right? They weren't doing anything wrong. According to the system, the political system, they were doing wrong. According to the Lord, they were doing right. They chose the right way. And this is the part that I love the most. A surrender life. Jesus is revealed to the world. It was in the fire. There was a real fire. This was a real furnace. It had, a, had the back. It was made out of iron. And in the back, it was open. And he was, that's why Nebuchadnezzar had pleasure in witnessing how many thousands or hundreds of people getting burned. It's a sick mind. Isn't Babylon still alive today? Dictators, they get sick in their mind. And he goes, he throws them in. He makes the furnace seven times hotter. Because when the devil is after you, Pastor George, you're just not going to come like everybody else. He's going to make sure you're going down. So he thinks. So he thinks. Pastor Medina, the devil thinks you're going down. So he thinks. He'll make obstacles greater that you have to jump through. He'll make things greater that you have to hope through. So he thinks. And then they get bounded. And they're thrown in. And the people that threw them in actually got killed. And they're in the fire. But what happens while they're in the fire? Jesus shows up. Maybe you're in a crisis right now. Maybe you are going through certain testing right now. Maybe you're hurting and you don't know why. Maybe you're asking God why because, Lord, I decided to follow you and this is what I get. But Jesus shows up in the fire and Nebuchadnezzar, the world, sees Jesus. The world sees Jesus in the fire. But what happens in the fire? They went in bound, but Jesus unbounded them. I'm going to say that again. Because sometimes there's things in us also that still the Lord has to get, make us free from. Sometimes he has to free us from fear and free us from the reputation and free us from what people may think or say. But in the fire, he bounds you. He first sets you free first, and then the world can see you've been set free. I thought that was beautiful. Gee, a surrender life. While we're going through the crises, while we're going through the, 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 the hardship of life, your family is watching. 
Your colleagues are watching. Your neighbors are watching. High-ranking officials are watching. What do they see? Do they see Jesus unbounding you and freeing you that they will declare that Jesus is God? What do they see? Because when we, uh, when we go through the fire, when we decided, oh, no, I'm not bowing down. You can take my job. You can take whatever you want. But I'm not bowing down. What do people see? And my desire today is they will see Jesus. They will see Jesus. And he was revealed in the fire. Be encouraged. Be encouraged. Let the peace of God that surpasses all understanding guard your mind and heart. There are things we go through and we don't understand why. But what do people see? Do they see us crumbling under the pressure? Do they see us like we have no hope? Do they see us like we don't know the God that we serve or we claim that we serve? Do they see us that we're devastated or do they see Jesus? And you know, as a church body, the church, we're the only epistle, and that's a fancy word. We're the only letter people are going to read. You and I are the modern day email. You and I are the modern day email. They're reading you every single day, every single day. They're reading, they're reading, they're reading you. Hmm, you know, he says this and he keeps his word. Hmm, she comes at nine and she means it. Hmm, I told her to come dancing with me and she said no. I said come clubbing with me and he said no. He, I told him come sniff a little weed with me and he said no. Hmm, there's something up with this guy. Because you are our epistles, written in our hearts, known and read by all men. When we step out these doors, people are reading our lives. What are they reading? What are they reading? Are we confused? You are the modern-day journal. Everybody writes things on, on Facebook. It used to be that journal being, keeping a diary was so private. Now it's so out there. But what are you writing? What are you writing? Does it go against biblical belief? Do you love the Lord above all things? You know, do you love one another? Do we love one another? Or our opinion is so super important that we come and we cut everybody down when the Bible tells them we should love one another and respect one another and honor one another. What are people reading? It says, I love the way this translation says, clearly you're an epistle, you're a letter, you're an email. You're the modern-day email of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but tablets of flesh, that is, the heart. When people read us, whatever they read, it's being typing on their hearts. They're receiving it. What are they reading? Have you revealed Jesus? Is, is Jesus revealed to the world when you go through crisis? And I was thinking, it says, what do we need to surrender? I'm going to take a moment. What do we need to surrender? Is it a relationship? Is it a friendship? Is it an idol? Is it a TV program? Is it a career? Is it your finances? We said we love the Lord. 
But in all, before they were even thrown in the fiery furnace, all their lives, slowly, they were surrendering many things. No one's going to come up to you and throw you in a furnace, and you're, you're not going to say, oh, I'm not going to do that. No. If you haven't been surrendering on a daily basis, meaning if we haven't been submitting to God on a daily basis, it's not going to happen. So what do we have to surrender? Is it that grudge, that unforgiveness, that gossip? Is it the sin that was committed against you and the sin you committed against others? What is it that we have to surrender? Because clearly, sin was committed to these three young men. Their body was a, was a testimony of what happened to them. But they surrendered that to the Lord. They had to forget the, the Babylonians. Otherwise, I would have killed them at night. They didn't do that. They trusted God. What keeps you from surrendering it all to the Lord? Is it fear? What keeps you? What is the obstacle that you can jump over? Is it pride? What keeps you from surrendering all to the Lord? I want you to, these are questions I want you to meditate on. And you know, the crucial question is the last one. Do I want to live a surrender life? When the Lord tells you, hey, buy a meal. Or hey, why don't you bless someone? And send, instead of you going to a trip, send someone else. Hey, why don't you pay that rent? No one else has to know you're paying rent. When the Lord tells you, call, and you're tired. You're tired. One more phone call, he says, call. And you're blessed by it. What is it that you, want to, you need to surrender? We have a calendar. And we want to accommodate the Lord into our calendar versus let the, let the Lord populate that calendar. Do you have to surrender your schedule? Do you have to surrender your calendar? Do you want to surrender at all? So this is more than doing ministry. After a while, ministry can become very mechanical. We do this, one, two, three, four, out we go. This is about doing life with another person. And this is about honoring the Lord. It's being a living sacrifice. When we say uh, Romans chapter 12, 1, it says, Therefore I urge you, I urge you brothers and sisters, I love this version, in view of God's mercy, in view of what God has done. That's when George speaks about his life. It's so impactful. He's not ashamed of what God has done in his life, nor am I. To present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Well, you know, sacrifice, the problem with us is it's a living sacrifice. So we crawl off the altar. We crawl off the altar because we're alive. But you see, one thing I love here. Most churches call this the stage. 
It used to be called the altar. And the altar is a place of death. Something had to die for me to live. I'll say that again. The altar is a place of death. Something had to die for me to live. So now he's saying, you be that living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true act of worship. Meaning what goes on here in the worship, it's just part of worship. We're supposed to be worshiping God 24 hours a day, seven days a week with our lives. That means that if I'm a sacrifice, a living sacrifice, there's a lot of things I'm going to say no to. There's a lot of things I'm going to say no to. I was reminded in my class, and this is, I'm not against dancing, okay? Because I'm not. I love to dance. But, um, and here, um, Angel, we, we go back a long, long way. And so, Chelsea, she was turning 16 years old. And we were going to celebrate Chelsea, because Chelsea has MS, and, and here she is, almost 30, right? And she wasn't supposed to make it. But God is faithful to mother's prayers. I love Jackie. And so I remember I, 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 I was the Alba queen. I'm dating myself. I was the Alba queen of dancing because I love to dance. And I have rhythm. I have rhythm. <laughs> but the Lord was gracious because the man he gave me, I love him. No rhythm. <laughs> no rhythm. He even took salsa classes. I shouldn't say that. But... <laughs> But I love, I didn't have to go to one class, honey, because I had rhythm. But I never been to a club, never went to a club, never, no, because I was a church girl. But honey, when it comes down to, to 316s and birthday parties and weddings, I was the first one on the floor and the last one out. When I, when I got married, we danced the night away, right, Chanti? We danced, we danced, we danced, we danced so much, Pastor, we got into trouble. We danced, they were disciplina. They've come a long way since then. They did. They did, Marilyn. So here it is. I, I, I thank the Lord because I've led a clean life. But here I am, 14 years ago, and I get up to dance, and the Holy Spirit said, Ruth, you need to stop dancing. I'm going to pour out unction upon your life that people are going to know that they know you walk with the Lord. I'm going to give you words that people know you walk deeply, intimately, but I need you to stop dancing. I remember hearing his voice in my heart. and I sat down, and sometimes I fall. Not very much, but, but sometimes I gave up dancing. Because he didn't want, he said, Lord, he tells me, I don't want People see, I want people to see me in you. So when you teach and you preach, they will remember you're jiggling all over the place. That's what God tells me. That's what the Lord told me. I'm not telling, I didn't go on a campaign, yo, thou sinner, stop. No, no. He told Ruth to stop dancing. Let's get that clear. So when you're on the dance floor, dance one for me. No, but he, he told me to stop dancing. And the word of God was yes and amen. How to surrender something good, something that I enjoyed. And because my husband didn't like dancing anyway, he could care less. But, <laughs> but I, had to, I had to give up. And I gave it up. 
because of Jesus. And you know, the amazing thing about Jesus, the amazing thing about the Lord, is this Bible verse. And it says, everyone who has left houses, brothers or sisters or mother, I had to give up my family for a long, long time. My family didn't agree with my religion. They made it so when my grandmother died, it was very devastating. because She was the only one I had, right, Hector? So it was devastating. So houses, mother or father, wives or husband, children or land, for my name's sake, the object that you're surrendering to is extremely important. It's just not because the church tells you to do it. It's not because religion tells you to do it. It's not because sister so-and-so tells you to do it. No, the object is Jesus shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. That's Matthew 19, 29. A surrender life will receive the gifts that the Lord has for each and every one of us. But I want to talk to the person that perhaps doesn't know Christ yet, and you haven't surrendered your life yet, and you don't know whether this is truth or not. Let, I want to tell you it is. And he's calling you. He's calling you to have a life that's pleasing to him. He understands your pain. He understands your challenges. I mean, when I went to high school and I compare my years of high school to what people are going to high school now, it is unbelievable. When I went to college in 1978, most of you weren't, weren't even born. I, I went to freshman year in college, right? And what college is today, it's unbelievable. But Jesus is calling you from the modern-day Babylon. And you can trust the Lord. So I'm, I'm going to make an altar call. Because a surrender life is a life that loves the Lord above all things. And once you love God, everything else will fit into place. You may lose friends. You may lose family, you may lose a job, you may lose XXX, but God's going to give it all back. He will. He will. A surrender life trusts the Lord. When things go bad politically, economically, financially, physically, you know, any otherly that we all go through in life, we can trust God. And the greatest that I think is the greatest, a surrender life in the fire, we will see Jesus. But people can't see Jesus if you're not surrendered. I'm talking to the Christian now. Chris, if you're, if you're not surrendering and submitting to God every single day in the fire, I'm not going to see Jesus. I'm not going to see Jesus. I'm going to hear complaints. I'm going to hear why. I'm going to, and you know, you know, New York City is the capital for attitude. <laughs> it's attitude. I hear a lot of attitude, but do you? Do people see Jesus when you're in the fire? And do people see Jesus unbounding you in the fire? Do people see Jesus that you walk out of the fire 
Because the Bible clearly says that when they walked out, they didn't even smell that they went through the fire. I mean, if you were, if we were sit with a lot of people here and hear the testimony, you wouldn't know how broken we were unless we told you how broken we were. Because when we came out of the fire, we came out pure gold. And he patched us up. No, he, he did more than that. He changed our life. And then he was revealed, not only to us, but to the world. And you are where you are in your jobs. And you live where you live with your neighbors and your family. Because we need to reveal Jesus to the world. We need the world to see Jesus. Because he's the only hope that this world has. He's the only way. Oh, there are the gods. Oh, all the beings are the gods. But Jesus is calling you today to a surrender life. So I'm going to ask you to stand. And this altar is going to be open. And like I said, the altar is a place that something has to die. We're going to do an exchange today. Because a lot of believers, they live in fear. A lot of believers live in anxiety. A lot of believers don't even believe. But today, the altar is open. So if you want prayer, we're going to wait here at the altar. If you want to surrender something, and you know what that thing is, we're waiting for you at the altar. Like the three young men. Oh, there were Babylonians on the outside. But there were Jews that loved God on the inside. And we may wear pants, and we may wear lipstick, and we may be free. Oh, but we're Christians, and the power of God lives in us. Oh, because the power that resurrected Christ from the dead lives in you and in me. So, Father, I thank you. And Spirit of the living God, I pray you will call many unto salvation today, number one. And number two, I pray that others will come to surrender what they need to surrender at this altar, at this place of sacrifice. Let it be a great exchange today in the spirit realm, oh Father, because you are the real true God. And so if we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to you. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this sermon. We pray it blesses and encourages your life.